0: Hello, welcome to another episode of the Umpire Rules Podcast, sponsored by Blue Collar Street Food. I've been joined today by Dave Stevens over in America. Dave, how are we doing? Doing well, thank you. Bit of snow here, but uh, warmed my
1: uh, warmed my heart to see a great performance from Riding today.
0: Like liking the sarcasm nice and early on, and uh, you know, king of sarcasm, Matt Williamson joining us on the other end. Well, I'm not gonna be sarcastic because I saw an absolutely amazing Reading win
2: this uh, this morning, and it was this morning at 11.30 as the uh, women beat Chelsea, which was absolutely huge. Um, and then this afternoon, I can basically take or leave,
0: but hey, this morning was good, it was a cracking performance from the women. Um, so at least one, you know, at least one side managed to get three points, and it was a really good result—one 0 against Chelsea. Um, Blue collar street food next weekend, Matt. Will you be attending? They are going to be in the town centre before the Luton home game. Uh, you put me on the spot, so I guess I'm going to say yes. I will be there. It's good to see you there. I'm glad, Dave. I fully expect your attendance as well.
2: Yeah, I'll uh, I'll be there in spirit. I'll
0: uh, I'll be imagining
1: the great food.
0: Well, yeah. oh, that's. Not quite what I was hoping for, but it will have to do, I guess. Uh, If you are listening today, you are too late today, probably, but they are in town Sunday the 12th of December and Saturday the 18th and Sunday the 19th of December in Marketplace, along with their regular Wednesday and Friday slots next week. If you're going to be Christmas shopping next Sunday, get some blue-collar street food for lunch, get some blue collar before you go to the Luton game next weekend. Um it's cracking food if you haven't tried it then you should. Before we move on to the game today I just want to send our thoughts out to Paul. Paul lost his dad this week to cancer and uh, we just want to send all of our thoughts to you Paul um you know from from the rest of us at Elm Park Royals. May Paul's dad rest in peace. Moving on to the West Brom game today. The lineup, Dave, at two o'clock came out. And Reading were missing some key players. John Swift, not in the lineup. Danny Drinkwater, not in the lineup. And probably the more expected one, Andy Yeardon, also not in the lineup. Ashcroft Moore and Tetek coming in. A little bit surprising because there wasn't really much in the way of uh, advanced warning, I guess, about those.
1: Yeah, uh, a surprise to see it and uh, definitely not good news. Um, we, we've we said many times this season that if, if Swift doesn't have a good game, we don't have a good game. Uh, so to have him not on the pitch at all uh, doesn't bode well for us. Um, more coming straight back in after a couple of games out uh, won't. Dwell too much on uh, on on some of his performances, shall we say? But uh, just the mere fact that we we didn't do too badly uh, at centre back last uh, last time out, and and to make that change uh, was a little strange. And then Ashcroft uh, brought in out of position uh, at, at the age of seventeen. Interesting choice. So yeah,
0: uh, I was a little little concerned before the game uh, when when I saw that come out. It reminds me a lot, Matt, of uh, Stoke away earlier in the season with Ashcroft coming in. He almost played right wing back, but with a right back behind him.
2: Yeah, it's a bit of an odd one. Um, yes, I thought the exact same thing that we were kind of playing that hybrid five at the back slash four at the back. Um, it seemed like Ashcroft just kind of followed their wing back wherever he went. So if Uh, their wing back dropped into West Brom's half. Ashcroft was very high. If he was bombing on, then we basically did become a flat back five. And he's played there before because um, away at Millwall, he was also part of the back five. And I think at the time I said that Paunovic seems to like having that extra cover behind an inexperienced player. Um, So yes, Bristow played as part of the back five. Ashcroft, whenever he's come in, has played as part of back five. Interestingly, Tetek normally plays at the back four when he plays at right back, but uh, maybe he's trusted a bit more. And in a way, it makes sense because obviously you don't want to put too much responsibility on these players. But, and not to skip forward, but we, uh, Ashcroft moved to right back later on in the game and looked pretty good. And if anything, better than when he was trying to fill all the way down the wing. So you do kind of have to question it
0: yeah there's a there's an argument to be made here I think about do you play an experienced player out of position and then play an inexperienced player out of position or do you just play one inexperienced player out of position and hope for the best uh, from my standpoint I don't really understand why you'd want to play more players out of position just just to have that extra experience within the side it doesn't it doesn't really sit that well with me. It feels like you're just moving pieces around to try and uh solve a problem you don't actually have, if that makes sense. You you have a right back on the field, but you're not going to play him a right back. Doesn't just doesn't make sense to me. Well
2: I guess it depends whether you see Holmes as as a right back or not in well, obviously he's a centre back first and foremost, but the amount that he has played right back does seem like he is Paunovic's legitimate second choice there at some points So I agree with you. I don't think Holmes is a right back and he is playing out of position when he plays there, but maybe Panovic has a slightly different view on things.
0: Yeah, Holmes has played right back before, obviously. Um, we'll, we'll come on to Holmes' performance at right back today a little bit later on. The The setup, we've kind of discussed it, was it was five at the back, but four at the back. It was Carroll up top on his own. Before the game, Dave, uh to be honest, I thought we'd play with Halilovic or Deli Bashiri, very very close to Carroll, and we'd almost play two up front. Especially given West Brom's problems with COVID this week, They've, I think they only they only named two defenders, and their bench was all under twenty year olds. Um, so it's it was perhaps a, a little surprising that we set up quite that defensively.
1: Yeah, I think if before the game you know that they've been hit by covid, um I saw a message from a, a West Brom fan that said that they've got one senior center back on the pitch um again or one senior defender on the pitch, sorry, against Andy Carroll. Today going to be tough. And I thought, oh okay, that gave, that gave me a bit of hope beforehand before I saw our lineup. And uh and then you looked at it and and he was just isolated. Like every time uh we we'd get the ball, we'd try to pump it forward to him. And he had three defenders around him. Don't care whether they've played one game or, or 20 games, there's three of them. Uh, and he's expected to hold the ball up, bring it down, and then what? Pass it to himself in the box? It doesn't now, make sense.
0: Just just before Matt jumps in here, I want to point out, without trying to defend him, this has been George Puskas all season, pretty much, Matt. And I, knew, I feel like I'm going to have just stolen your answer there.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I, pretty much exactly that. I was going to say that if, if even andy Carroll can't play in the system that you've set up maybe the system is wrong and um i'm i'm completely with dave like it, carol was far too isolated the the thing that carol does give you is obviously a target and yes he might be able to bring the ball down um sometimes or he might be able to win flick-ons but both of those things really require you to get other bodies around him and he, he's- a little Hilevich isn't great at that. Tem- to- uh, Tom Bashiru is pretty good at that when he actually is near. But as, as Dave said, there was just nobody close to him.
0: Yeah, Carroll, despite, you know, despite his almost cult status already at Reading, it seems, he's not a magician. Like, I just don't, you can't just like, expect to be able to pump the ball up to him 50 yards with nobody within 20 yards of him and then just Expect him to score; it's not realistic. Yeah. A couple of times, you saw him chest the
1: ball down beautifully, bring it to his feet, and then he instantly got tackled by three players. Like not an exaggeration. Like challenge after challenge. Like, if he beats one of them, the next one's right there. Like I don't care if it's Alan Shearer in his prime; he doesn't <laughs> come away from uh, from that. You know, it's a system that that isn't going to work. Uh, one up top with with no one around.
0: We will move on to the game now and just discuss some of the highlights. I really hesitated to call them that of the first half because there really wasn't that many. Um, In fact, Reading only had one. We won't get to that one just yet. Uh, West Brom, Matt, had an awful lot of shots in the first half. But did they actually really create anything uh, of any note, do you think?
2: They didn't really, if we're being honest. Almost all the shots that I I remember were not pot shots from outside the box but like they were long range but equally at the same time I don't remember too many Reading games where I've watched it and thought that the opposition scoring was such an inevitability as I did today it just it felt like a matter of time until like they they got one right or or but as you say Alex they never actually penetrated the box but for some like and I think even, also we were
0: very panicky on the ball, right? And and yes. never really got out of our own third. Even the few times when they did penetrate the box, it was often because of a Reading mistake. And I think there was a chance about 20 minutes in when Holmes hit, it kind of miscontrolled his first touch after a long ball, got pickpocketed, and you know Southwood made a reasonably good save. But there was multiple times we got pickpocketed within our own final third because we're determined to play out from the back against the side, which is very, very high pressing.
1: Yeah, Moore got the ball taken off of him when it should have been a simple pass back to Southwood. Uh, He tried to control it and and he got it back. He got back and blocked the shot uh, to some credit, I guess, but it just shouldn't have been a problem that happened. And then, yeah, Holmes miscontrolled one. And then also at one point he stuck out a foot and decided to touch it rather than just deal with it, and and that fell to to their striker who blazed over, thankfully. Um, A lot of very poor decision-making at the back yet again uh, today.
0: The major chance, Matt, of the first half uh, did fall to West Brom from a corner. The corner itself was relatively well dealt with by Andy Carroll um, as he kind of cleared it at the near post, but it did fall back out to a West Brom player. I'm not exactly sure who it fell back out to. Um, And Carroll manages to get what is just a really crazy clearance on it off the line. He's got to be one of the better uh, defensive set piece players we've had in recent times.
2: Yeah, I think that um, our kind of big striker does tend to Maybe they get a little bit overlooked in those set pieces. Like I, I remember Zhao and Meite winning front post headers, but I don't remember many getting tangled up in the net and then somehow still managing to get back up and 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 head it away. Um, in some in some ways, it was actually good he got tangled up in the net because it meant he was in almost exactly the right place to then um, dive. And and head it away. I mean, I don't really know how you even describe it. it, it the, the motion that he went through was bizarre, but effective. And um it was very nice. Yeah, I mean, um I, the rest of the chances Southwood did very, very well with. But, uh, you know, if, if he got beat there, it, it was no, no fault of his own. Yeah, I, I think you couldn't blame... South if that had gone in
1: and, and Andy Carroll was in a good spot i agree i think he was kind of a header from his knees almost um but he's a, he's, a, he's a big man so that's like some of us uh, just standing there and doing it i guess um but yeah the the big man up top or or lone man up top who comes back to to defend uh well we've had a few over the years i mean the last one i really remember that for was uh, Jan Kermigan. He used to do that a heck of a lot. But, um, yeah, he's he's done it multiple games now where he's been there to to clear out, and, and that's good. And, and you could say today that um, a double goal line clearance is uh, as good as a goal. So, uh, you know, I think he, he comes away with some credit after a, a long old shift of uh, playing the push gas role of uh, alone without support.
0: It's as good as a goal, but a goal probably would have been preferable, if I'm honest.
1: I mean, if you're offering me one or the other, I would have taken a goal, yes. But yeah,
0: it uh, yeah. probably you. We did have a chance to get a goal in the first half. Um, 44 minutes into the game, we finally registered a touch in the West Brom half because before that, I'm, I honestly cannot really remember us doing so. Um, Dave, just give us a little bit about how good the touch from Halilovic was.
1: Yeah, so the 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 move started deep in our half Halilovic uh, had got the ball um from a West Brom attack um he took a touch to to open it up for himself and then he looked up saw the run of uh Delhi Bashiru and just pings it's an overused word ping but this was a ping of a ball straight out to him um sprung the offside trap which you know he'd struggled with uh that half and then and the second half but he, he gets in behind uh he's coming in and from wide delhi Bashiru here and uh with the keeper to beat he decides to go for power uh put it across the keeper and unfortunately that ends in it going out for a, a west brom throw but uh great chance and just forget that i've told you what happens just watch the Halilovic pass and just assume the, that it ends in a goal and the spin
0: is fantastic the spin to open himself up for the pass was just brilliant and uh, Matt I mean we did discuss it pre pre pre-podcast um Halilovic was probably one of our better performers today I don't really know how much that's saying but he was one of our better players today
2: yeah I think every time he's played so far he offers something and he was a bit more central today um kind of playing in the role that Swift would have played um, obviously using the other foot, which is interesting, I guess. Um, but yeah, I mean, at, as Dave says, it's it's the kind of pass that you get annoyed that he's missed both because you would like a goal, but also because like it's going to get cut out of highlight like compilations now because it doesn't end in the right way. Um, I think just that the vision um, and the weight on the pass was perfect. Um, also, as Dave said, uh, Delhi Bashiru was terrible with offsides today and, There were a couple where he was really angry and I'm not sure whether he legitimately was on side and the linesman was, you know, calling it wrong or whether he just wasn't looking along the line properly. But in fact, I'm sort of semi on, on the fence or whether he was on side for that one as well, but it it was given, I guess. So, um, yeah, he scored from that position against Swansea, like it not completely dissimilar. And, and when he shoots, he normally does shoot with power, um, it just it went horribly wrong um it would have been a travesty if reading had gone in one nil up as well so fair fair play
0: that nil nil was a travesty a bit but hey yeah i was uh, that line was already entered my head because frankly nil nil at half time was a little bit of a robbery i i know we've kind of discussed that west brom's chances weren't necessarily of that good quality but watching that was honestly one of the most frustrating halves of football i think i've watched in quite a long time dave um yeah. and not to bang on about not to bang on about the fact that we were poor today but the 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 first half really felt like there was very little plan yeah. and i hesitate to use the word plan because it feels like a obviously there must have been you really hope there was some kind of plan at the very least um but the, the the plan, from at least watching the game as a you know as a spectator, it almost felt like we're just going to sit back and hope for the best that West Brom can't score, and yeah. it feels like that that's not a that's not a plan. That's not a a legitimate way to play play football in this league, especially against a team as we've already discussed who are, were not at full strength.
1: Yeah, they. We can talk about our injuries. We can talk about our fatigue, but they. They had a massively hit squad um, themselves and, and weren't playing their normal uh, players. And I think that if if you can look and you can't really tell where everyone's playing, really, um, you can't really tell what we're trying to do. And, you know, after 30 minutes, let's say, that many chances for West Brom and they haven't taken advantage, We, if we had a plan... You would think that confidence would build, like it it would grow. It's like okay, it's working. We're we're soaking up pressure, and then we're going to something. But there was no something. Like we we didn't really hit them on the break. We didn't really just keep it really tight at the back. That was all over the place. People were out of position. Um, I think that that was the biggest concern today. Like I've been uh, I've been guilty of attacking the players for not having any fight earlier this season or, or or last season as well where it seemed like they gave up that wasn't the case today everyone was given like a lot of effort and, and playing well and trying things but there just didn't seem to be a plan of how it was all going to come together and and that's that's worrying to me I think especially the position we find ourselves in right now
0: and Matt this leads us on nicely to Paunovic and obviously the game plan comes from him and his coaching staff and, and presumably the players at least have a little bit of input into it but i would say the calls for him to not be in charge are probably growing they're not necessarily i wouldn't say it's the majority of fans but there's definitely a growing number of people who are at least questioning what his tactical ability is at this point
2: yeah a hundred percent like it's interesting because um, I think if Deli Bashiru does take that chance just before half time um, and Reading go in 1 0 up, and the stats say Reading have had one shot and, and West Brom have had 11, or well, I think more than that, I think. Um, you look at it in a very similar way to the Cardiff match or the Swansea match or the Fulham match. But all of these matches, when I come on and I say it's not sustainable, this is kind of what I mean. And and to be fair, we were even worse today than in those matches. Um, I agree with Dave. I don't think that there was. I, yeah, I don't think that, that was there not a plan or did we not execute it? I, I think in some ways it's not relevant, like the difference between those two, because we were just so poor. Um, I guess if you want to make excuses, and I think the, the injuries is a valid excuse as well. I know some people are like, well, he's had time, but so, it, uh, when when drinkwater's out injured, when Swift is out injured, when Yeardom's out injured. So Yeardom is a Yeardom and Drinkwater are integral to getting the ball out of our own third. And Swift is obviously the main chance creator. And it sort of depends, and this is something I don't think we'll ever really know what point in the week did we know that those players were injured? Because if we only found out yesterday, then obviously it kind of makes sense why there was almost no plan, right? Because this is a completely thrown together team. If we knew straight after the game on Saturday, this is a much worse performance because they should have at least had, you know, seven days to have an idea of what they wanted to do. So, the 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 issue is that this is a bit of a trend right like as i said this this is a not dissimilar performance to other away performances the the difference is the result and uh, yeah i mean panovich does kind of need to find a different way of playing if, if this is not going to work
0: yeah i i i do think you're right there's there's definitely something to if it was a case of we had them at the start of the week and they all the you know, Swift and Drinkwater at least were injured on Friday, and, and it, it's yes, it's difficult to suddenly come up with a completely new game plan. However, I think that the at the end of the day, the a lot of the well, most of them, not all of them, are professional footballers. Um, Ashcroft, I think, being an aside, I'm not sure if he's even signed a pro contract yet. Um, is that not like, is that not the point? Like, that that is, we're down to this level. Like, Ashcroft's
2: it, 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 playing Tetex, barely played professional football. Even someone like Delhi Bashiru, he's he, uh, you know, has only really just come out of academy football, had a year out injured. South was just out of the academy. Like, this is not a good team. I think people kind of need to temper expectations a little bit, to be perfectly yes. honest. I,
0: I think that that is definitely part of it as well. I think expectations, because I, I'm still seeing people. Uh, I guess not. They're not. It's not surprise necessarily that we're sitting outside the relegation zone, um, but there's definitely. A, I think there's definitely a feeling out there that we should be doing better, at least, um, and not necessarily taking into account the fact that, as Matt says, our team really isn't very good outside of yes, a number of good players who aren't playing at the minute. There's there's a number of players in that side who realistically wouldn't get into many other championship starting 11s
1: there are but I think I think the counterpoint for the manager is if we'd have just if we'd have gone out there and West Brom had just like turned it on and thrashed us I don't think we would be like oh the manager screwed up I think what happened today is that could have been a frustrating nil-nil for West Brom today if we'd have just been a little bit more organized at the back and yes we've got um people out of position, but that was a choice to be out of position. Uh, to, you started this podcast with with this point, and I think maybe you put someone in at right back that is a right back. Maybe they're inexperienced, but we keep our centre-back pairing that played in the last game. Do we have a little bit more organisation uh, and go from there? Uh, injuries in general, yes, maybe it happened just recently, but you, you don't come up with a new plan the day that your plan A goes wrong just like you don't come up with a plan B in a game when plan A isn't working. You, there's, there doesn't seem to be a lot of foresight in this um, management team where where it seems to be very reactionary. And yes, I know you can't sign players uh, very much uh, apart from like scraps here and there. And we've got some good ones in the circumstances. And yes, you have to use a lot of academy players. So what can he do there? But, you know, I, I would like to see okay, bad news, these two are out, these three are out, so we fall back to this plan, and it's going to be tough, but everyone dig in,
2: and I don't know that we necessarily have that. I mean, I don't disagree with that, obviously. like The issue with saying just play a right-back at right-back is then you have to find someone else to play in the position that they vacate, and we also have no one to play there. So like if, say, we played back four and we played with a right-winger, who plays right wing today because there is also nobody so I, this is the issue that panovic is obviously dealing with and then as you say like yes you don't throw a um, a plan away like on the day of but th- i think that this is ingrained into panovic panovic's management is that again today we were set up to counter west brom this isn't the reading that you would necessarily expect to see well, you expect to see them because you know that that's what's going to happen. It's not like he has a different formation and tactical outlook almost every game based on who we're playing, and I think that that leads to kind of what we're discussing here. When you don't have your first choice, because putting new players into that can be difficult. So, like, yeah, if we want a manager who is like a Copple or a McDermott, who you know they're going to play four four two or four three three, and that's going to be the same every week. Panovic is not that manager, so yeah. If if that's how people want to play, then we probably should change. But realistically, it, even that is going to be difficult with the injuries that we've got.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair, and I think that you know this is how he plays. So what can he do today? And, and your point is valid, but you you can't you can't have a combination of I adapt to every team that I'm playing with players that are on their second or third professional game. Uh you you have to you have to say right, I'm doing that because I've got the players to do it or you've got to be like pragmatic and say yeah, this isn't going to work. Uh, we we're, we're just going to set up this way and hope to god that we can we can keep it solid.
0: It feels like we've probably uh got more of this to come in the coming weeks of Panovic in Panovic out. <laughs> Honestly, I don't really know which side I fall on. I think I sit on the fence. No, yeah. I
2: completely agree. Like, I, I debating this is not because I'm panovich in. I'm just. Yeah. I think that you sometimes have to be realistic with what you've got, and I think some people
0: aren't being. Yeah, the debate continues. I think it's uh to be to be to be decided. Still, um, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens over the next few weeks with that one before. I think anybody makes too many, you know, drastic kind of calls one way or the other. Um, But I feel like the pressure is certainly starting to grow. We'll get on to the second half now, 27 minutes into the podcast. Thankfully, Reading didn't really have much to talk about in the second half either. So I don't think it will take too long for us to discuss. Dave, Um, the goal. We had a little bit of a back and forth in the WhatsApp. Elmhart Royals chat between whether this was a fault of Liam Moore or was it just a partial fault of Liam Moore for the goal?
2: Yeah,
0: um,
1: my stance has not changed. Uh, It's not Liam Moore in isolation, but he is a strong part of the problem. Um, For me, yes, fully agree. Four, maybe five players contributed uh, to this uh, by not closing... The, the the play down earlier in the in the um, in the move, but what I really got bothered by is the ball goes out wide, and Limor goes to kind of split the difference between the player and the area, and he stands off and he stands off, and the cross comes in, and then others don't pick up the man coming in, in the middle. So obviously it's, that's not Liam Moore's fault, but you, to me, you don't just dive in. We had this conversation in the chat as well. I'm not saying like, just make a rash tackle and dive in and then get caught or anything, but you've got to get tighter to the man. He 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 could get tighter. He stopped because he wants to block essentially. And then he's got a half-hearted leg dangled at the ball that doesn't get anywhere near it. And, and the, the ball into the box is an easy chance. He's not in isolation at fault, but he doesn't do what he
0: should have done in that position. The the classic Liam Moore dangled comment has come in again. Matt, I know you were kind of on the other side of this. So give us the other side of the debate.
2: Yeah, I think that, um, I, I mean, you say that it's a different side. I mean, I almost word for word agree with dave that's almost becoming (laughs) my it's almost becoming my like i agree with nick um but like i agree that it's not liam moore in isolation uh so i think that holmes is pretty culpable uh first off for letting the man run um my issue is that i don't put that much blame on liam moore because okay he might not get out and he, he probably should I mean, it's hard to know properly with the angle that you've got, but you probably should make more of an attempt to stop the cross. Um, But if you take Liam Moore out, then I think that Reading should still stop the goal because I think that Lawrence should cover for Liam Moore better than he does. And someone should give a shout to Scott Dan that the player, uh, Robinson, is coming across him and nobody seems to do that. Or if they do, he doesn't seem to react in time. So it's not that Liam Moore is is good or or does exactly what he's meant to. It's that I think that there are others in the move that probably
0: are more culpable than he is. I think that's probably probably fair. I would agree there's multiple people who you can look at there. Uh, even right back to the very start of the move where West Brom win the ball back, Ashcroft gets beaten way too easily Tetec doesn't go in for a 50-50 challenge and then the ball goes down the line and Holmes is out of position uh, it, and it's uh, then after that with you know you, you both have discussed Liam or Scott Dan, or Florent and, and but again all of those players are, are having to cover someone else's earlier error essentially um, And it, 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 we, we roll it right back to when when Reading lose the ball in the in the half by the halfway line Uh, Liam Moore in general, Matt, today I feel like it's fair to say that was probably probably one of his worst performances this season. Um, and it was not, it wasn't a good return to the team for him. No, he was pretty, pretty horrific. Um,
2: I mean caveating that with not many people covered themselves in glory today outside of Southwood and Hililovich and maybe a little bit of Carroll. But yeah, Liam Moore was particularly bad, I thought. Like um, (sighs) Dave's mentioned him being caught in possession. I think that um, probably almost everyone agrees that Holmes and Dan are a lot better there. Like that they, the way that they dictate tempo and can pass, uh, make progressive passes is um, of huge benefit, especially when you've got a a you know a, a pivot or uh, well I'm not entirely sure where Tetek was playing half the time but tetek and, and and Lauren is, are not the ones that you kind of want to be trying to pick passes further forward so Dan and Holmes are much better for that um Holmes also didn't have a particularly great game it must be said but um yeah I don't think that I mean the fact that Liam Moore was substituted again I think kind of sums it up to be
0: honest do you think Liam Moore will start next week, Dave? Uh, and this is a conversation we had about three or four weeks ago when he got injured. Uh, was it when he got injured? I can't remember exactly, but when he came out of the side originally and um, we were discussing, will Liam Moore start? Will Tom Holmes keep his place? Uh, and again, it's it, I feel like that question is quite pertinent. It, is Tom Holmes going to be back at centre-back next weekend?
1: Uh, I can answer what should happen. He should be back because you saw... Um... Assuming that Dan can play because he got that gash, which didn't look too bad, but um you never know with those. If Dan can play, it should be Dan and Holmes. But I think that today demonstrated that there's a good chance more is gonna be brought back in. Um yes, he gets subbed off towards the end uh, for a striker, and, and when you want to sacrifice a defender for a striker, it's interesting that you pick your captain. So obviously Pauno saw what we saw today. But I just have this feeling that he might be back in again. And uh, again, the whole team's performance is not down to one player. But when Moore's in the side lately, it we change how we play a little bit at the back. And it doesn't have any semblance of organisation.
0: We do definitely play differently. You're right. Because Moore comes off at 75 minutes, roughly. Ashcroft comes back to right back. Holmes slots into centre-back alongside Scott Dan. Uh, we've already bought Hoyler on at this point to play left wing. And then we've got Deli Bashiru and Halilovic playing in the middle. And Matt, the last 15 minutes, now, I wouldn't say we looked good. We didn't really create any particularly amazing chances, but we looked more competitive.
2: Yeah, I mean, the the issue, I think that, that is the frustrating thing right like yes we we definitely look better in the last 15 and and that was substitutes that you would like to see start the game but realistically can hoylet play 90 minutes at the minute probably not um i think that the more thing is very interesting because if hoylet can play 90 minutes by the next game i think that opens up other kind of formations that we could play that means that more might not have to play um but whether that happens or not is is, is not well who knows we'll probably have 10 more injuries by the next uh by, by Luton um yeah I mean Puskas also looked pretty good um he didn't do anything major except the well he won a free kick that he did pretty well with and then he uh yeah uh sorry Dave's just put it in the chat but yes he, he then uh did a nice little flick to uh Delhi Bashiru that I think he would have liked to have done better with. I don't think it was necessarily like the easiest chance in the world, but um, I think it kind of summed up Dave Bashiri's game as well, which was not one of his better ones. Um, Yeah. If if this Reading team can get all of their players on the pitch at the same time, we could be a good team. Um, And I think that's what the last 15 minutes tells me more than anything else. And, I just don't know if you can read into it much more than that.
0: I'm going to mark my calendar for about April when that happens. I think, um, given given the amount of injuries we've had this season, because it, it feels like we're not going to get to a point where we have our best eleven available, and no one really knows what our best eleven is anyway. Well, well, Carol won't be here by her. January. So exactly. if Carol
2: if Carol's gone in January, that that is going to be interesting.
0: Yeah. And then we're I back to plan C or D or oh, well.
1: Yeah, we are. But the, the thing is as well is let's say Joao and Mate make miraculous recoveries and they're back in April and we've got Swift uh, still with us. We didn't sell them in January and and all these other ones are not injured anymore. Then we've got, what, a month of watching them and <laughs> seeing what, what we could have had. And then everyone leaves in, in the summer. So it's it's tough it's uh, i think we've got a very good squad uh we don't have a good team because the squad's all broken so sad sad times
0: one month of watching all of them together will be quite sad as long as we stay up i guess i'll take one month of watching them um mm-hmm. because after today we find ourselves is it two points i believe outside mm-hmm. the relegation zone now yes yep. just ahead of peterborough um and they won today. So. And they did win today. And that game on Boxing Day is looming ever closer. The, I guess the general, I guess, what word would we use here? Negativity. Matt, at the moment, is, or maybe not negativity, pessimism is probably a better word for this. The pessimistic viewpoint at the minute is that we're not having a particularly good season because we're two points outside the relegation zone. And yes, even if you add back on the six point deduction we are you know not that much higher in the table in reality um i think we'd only actually gain two spots maybe three spots in the table um but is there is is there an argument to be made of if we'd started on minus six then the mood around reading fans would be different
2: well, I think that's an excellent point you make, Alex, and and you should really uh, keep making the points that I tweet at other people. Um, but <laughs> Sorry, that sounds best, so much harder, more harsh out. than I thought. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I completely, I'm going to say I, I agree with my own point, which now feels a bit weird, but I I, I, think I agree that... with Matt. There we go. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Um, but I think that, I, do... I still think we wouldn't have had a great season, and that is a completely, you know, true viewpoint, however you look at it. Um Just because we have injuries doesn't mean being two points outside of the relegation zone is great. But I think that it would change the way that Reading fans look at it. Um, If we'd started on minus six points, OK, we would have had Derby below us on minus 21. But we would have at least worked our way out of the relegation zone and be on an upward trajectory. Whereas at the minute, it feels like everything is just down, down, down. And I think there are other issues. I, I don't know whether Panovic would have, um, survived those four losses if we were still in the relegation zone. Um, that would have been an interesting dynamic. But um, on the whole, we're picking up enough points that we should stay clear. Um, but whether that happens, you, you know, it, it's such an up and down season that anything could really happen.
0: Um, yeah, as you say, that Peterborough game it looks ever larger. Our next four in general are not, you know... They're not small games, let's put it that way. Luton, Peterborough, Fulham, and then Derby County. Gotta pick up points, Dave, now. And what is a what is a point target for the for the uh for the squad out of those four?
1: Out of those four, you've got to get six, um, minimum and preferably more. Um, I think the problem I have with it is uh Luton drew with Fulham today. Luton are a good side. I don't know if uh, anyone's guilty of uh what we hate others doing to us but you think oh well you know Luton never mind they're doing pretty well this season and they are a very good side so i uh,
0: can confirm that me, me me and Matt both had them in our top 6 in the pre-season predictions that we did so yeah well nothing, the last, nothing, none of that here. last
2: two years i've been trying to tell everyone that Luton are really good and then we go there and we win by like five goals so Luton are good and finally that <laughs> they're proving that yes and they they
1: are a, a good side i think i think that's going to be a very tough game um i think that peterborough a while back we like wow well, we'll beat peterborough and, and they're worse than us peterborough away has terrible memories for me i've been there twice we lost both times played terribly both times um so i'm just imagining we're probably gonna have a terrible boxing day and then uh yeah i mean derby are on on the up right so uh they've reacted to their deduction a lot better
0: up to a total of four points now for the season so
1: that's the thing you you get how many was it 21 Uh, they got taken off of them and you're still above zero that's not bad you know Rooney's doing a good job there so I mean that sounds like a game that's got a defeat written all over it I hope not I'm not trying to be overly negative um and then Fulham I mean, they're probably still annoyed that we beat them earlier in the season, so they'll come out all guns blazing, and we'll probably screw that one up. But we do like beating them, so never mind.
0: Oh, well, I'm glad I asked you for a nice cheery end to the podcast, there, Dave. I think Bring everyone like, down.
2: Sorry, screw, screwing Fulham up. I like. Does that mean that you're expecting to to win that game to begin with, Dave? I feel like you can't screw up something that we're going to lose heavily anyway. I feel like we're like the
1: on paper we should lose that definitely, but we like to mess with them. So I have this hope that we'll just like, maybe we'll still go down, but we'll stop them getting the record, or something like that. But um, no, we'll we'll probably get absolutely hammered in, in response for beating them earlier in the season. Yeah,
0: That was nice and a nice and cheery end to the podcast. Uh, Luton next week is the 150th anniversary game. I don't know what the club have got planned. They haven't mentioned anything in particular yet, but I'm assuming they're going to have something planned. So Keep an eye on their socials because hopefully there's something good is going to be at the game at the very least. Um, and if you don't fancy going to the stadium early, like I mentioned at the top of the podcast, do head to town beforehand. Grab yourself some blue collar street food. We'll be back during the week. Matt will be joined by someone, s- somebody from one of the A A Luton fan, I'm sure, um, uh, to discuss the game. And then we'll be back at some point next weekend to review what hopefully will be a better performance than today. Cheers.